Okay, welcome to the Sunday edition of the Environmental Justice Report with me, Janine Moloff, your host and producer. We are a spinoff of our main news show, Progressive News Network, here on, both are here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I was a little late getting the advert out this week. Uh, I, don't know, I, I joke with a friend of mine from high school growing up that uh, we take turns competing to be the queen of Facebook jail. Uh, I'm not in Facebook jail right now per se, but I am restricted from participating in groups. So even if I tried putting an advert up right now on Facebook, it wouldn't do any good. Um, and the offense that got me in trouble was uh, Candace Owens had made, uh, you know, some remarks, some ignorant remarks, as Candace Owens uh, is prone to do, like, on a daily basis. And this time around, she said she was angry and she wanted to, um, she doesn't believe in violence, but if she could, she, she'd find Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, and punch him in the face. And so I made a comment back to her Facebook saying, well, you know what? Frankly, there's a part of me that if it were permitted, um, you know, I may not want to punch you in the face, but I sure as hell would like to give you a good swift kick in the part of the, your anatomy that went over the went over the fence last, you know, in her backside. And, um, you know, I called her ignorant. And that got me restricted from Facebook groups. You know, apparently, if you're on the right wing, you can make all sorts of slanderous, libelous, and defamatory statements on Facebook and get away with it and claim it's just a joke. But if you talk back to them, then suddenly you're in either in Facebook jail or you're um, restricted from groups. So, you know, to my friend Julie, I would just say, um, Julie, I salute you. I bow before the queen. You are the queen of Facebook jail. I'm just merely a lady in waiting. <laughs> you got to laugh at some of this because, again, the corporate forces that kiss the ass of the right wing and of corporate, are they're not even trying to cover their, their tracks anymore. It's so stupid. So anyway, this week's show, this took a few minutes, uh, and you'll hopefully you'll see, I'll, I'll send it through Messenger. I can still do that. The Environmental Justice Report this week, again, is on the situation in East Palestine, Ohio, you know, the train derailment of the Norfolk Southern train, which was, you know, really preventable, uh, didn't have to happen. And so the headline for the show is, uh, Environmental Justice Report with Janine Moloff, East Palestine, Deregulation and Legal Bribery. So I'm going to discuss the state of affairs in East Palestine and the causes. And, and to borrow a phrase, the inconvenient truth lies in the fact that all of this was inevitable and preventable. Now, this statement may seem contradictory. It really isn't if you consider the full political context. The environmental disaster in East Palestine was preventable. Had the railroads been forced to upgrade braking systems that were first invented back shortly after the Civil War, I believe the date was dating back to 1868, I kid you not. And that's based on evidence I had from The Lever, a wonderful publication by David Sirota and his team. Okay, and I lost my place here. I would be so glad when I get new glasses because this is really difficult. Um, <laughs> all right, so... Place. Hold on a second, folks. Is, all right, so it was preventable. 
they should have been the uh, railroad should have been forced to upgrade the braking systems and other safety precautions, including uh, have enough people on board to control the train. Don't allow trains to be so incredibly overloaded or have too many cars, given whatever type of cargo they're carrying. But I'm also saying the incident was also inevitable, given our present political system, which, let's face it, since Citizens United, it has openly legalized bribery and really in other forms of influence peddling by politicians of both major parties. So let's look back a little bit. How did the railroad get away with this environmental crime? And that's what it is. It's an environmental crime. Keep in mind, we've talked about this before in earlier shows when this first broke. And the railroads fought viciously and lobbied to make sure that they didn't have to upgrade braking systems. There's a, a new brake called an ECF. It's an electronic compressor, electronic compressor, compressor brake, and it works beautifully, but they didn't want to spend the money. Um, Norfolk Southern specifically on top of that also sliced their workforce by over 30%. That's over a third, or it is a third, excuse me. Um, so basically, and then they fought, they didn't want to allow the workers to have paid sick leave. So you've got people that are overworked, they're not allowed to take paid sick leave or they'll lose their jobs. And they are on trains that are allowed to be far too long, too many cars. Why is it too many cars? Because the braking systems they use right now, we're just kind of refreshing what we talked about before. Um, it's kind of like a slinky, all right? The braking system dating back to shortly after the Civil War breaks in a way where the first car breaks, then the next one, then the next one. And so basically it's a slinky effect, and that's why when you see these derailments, you see cars like tiddlywinks, you know, all over the place pointing different directions. It's no different than when kids, you know, take a toy train and one end of the track and one at another end of the track and smash them together on purpose. Boom, that's what happens. And so the new electronic brakes, all the cars would basically stop at the same time. No slinky effect. Much safer. But again, the railroads don't want to spend the money. And instead of spending the money on really what should be required safety measures, they did a stock buyback at Norfolk Southern. They, they cut their workforce by a third. They have trains that are too too long, trains that should only have maybe 70 cars or 90 cars have 150 cars instead, and they're carrying toxic materials. On top of which, the trains that are required that they will buy new brakes for uh, have this high hazard type designation. But then they fought the Obama administration, the railroads did, especially Norfolk Southern, but the railroads fought the Obama administration to only to restrict the classification to only a few instances. And then when Trump came in, he just threw those new regulations out the window anyway. Unfortunately, President Biden and Pete Buttigieg did not see fit to reinstate the previous Obama rule, which would have made things safer. So there's plenty of blame to go around. And we have an incidence right now where we have open influence peddling. 
that's just it. I mean, lobbyists, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, in the billionaire class, whether it's Jeff Bezos or uh, Charles Koch of Koch Industries or whoever through these dark money groups on top of it all, they're not spending millions of dollars because they just want these politicians to consider their ideas. It is influence peddling, pure and simple. And so this is what we have. And we have a, regula- a deregulated state. What do you expect? I mean, when everything is deregulated, that's essentially saying, hello, Fox, meet Penthouse, bon appetit. All right. What are regulations? You know, the Reagan administration made the word regulations a dirty word, but regulation is just another word for the law. If you don't have the law that is reasonable, guess what? You have lawlessness, and that's what caused this. may have been technically legal, but it wasn't justice. And so we have that instance going on. But we also... The, the railroads had plenty of help from corporate media, uh, especially CNN, that soft-pedaled the situation and public relations campaigns that blatantly conned the public. Now, the corporate media also distracted us with grandstanding, you know, of Donald Trump visiting East Palestine and doling out what he called Trump water, you know, as if, as if he invented H2O himself. And these distractions, though, are important because they serve as a shield protecting corporate criminals because these distractions do just that. They distract the public from finding out what's really going on and demanding, you know, basically reparation and restitution. And the actual facts that have been republished by a lot of corporate media now were actually initially relayed by independent media such as David Sirota's team and his publication, The Lever as well as international publications such as The Guardian in England. So I'm going to discuss this outrageous state of affairs. Okay. I'm also going to, very, in a very short manner, discuss the immorality, the evil of those who reject woke. And then, of course, we have our jackass of the week. So let's move on with the show. I'm going to take a little sip of water here. Okay, so let's go to our first source. We always have sources here. All righty. Okay, so we're going to actually talk about the how the media, the corporate media, um, soft-pedaled this first. Because we've already talked about a lot of the safety issues, and it's really important, okay? So... First, we had a week ago, you know, Donald Trump coming to East Palestine and, you know, basically pounding his his chest that basically leads into his overstuffed belly, looking like he's 10 months pregnant, and handing out what he calls Trump water, you know, again, as if he invented H2O. And then he buys McDonald's for the police officers and the firefighters. You know, what I only have to say to Donald is, you know, don't strain yourself, okay? So he brought some water and and bought some McDonald's, big whoop. Um, But it was a distraction. And what did corporate media do? It was plastered all over the place. Fewer questions about the safety violations. 
fewer questions about the responsibility not only of the Department of Transportation and more than one president, but members of Congress as well. And, you know, distracting from the role of, you know, corporate lobbyists. All right? So when you sit down and you watch CNN, you think, okay, they present somebody as an expert, and you think, okay, this is an expert in the subject, right? They're not going to be necessarily, you know, they might be a Republican, they might be a Democrat, but they're they're not going to take, you know, a, an unfair side. They're just going to, you know, give you their analysis. Well, it wasn't quite that simple. So this is something, uh, the first source is from a group called Media Matters for America, very good group. A piece written by Eric Hananoki, which was published uh, February 27th. The headline is this, CNN commentator lobbied for Norfolk Southern. The network didn't tell its audience during during East Palestine discussion. I'm going to do that again. So this is about um, their commentator, a man named David Urban. And I found out about this actually first watching The Young Turks with Cenk Uecker and Anna Kasparian, and then I looked up the source on Media Matters for America. So I'm going to read this again. Excuse me. Need a little drink here. All right. Ah. If this were a video instead of audio, you could see what I was doing. Otherwise, I have to explain what I'm doing. So again, Media Matters for America. The headline is CNN commentator lobbied for Norfolk Southern. The network didn't tell its audience during East Palestine discussion. And the subheadline, why does CNN continue to employ ethically challenged lobbyist David Urban? It's a good question. So CNN got caught. They got caught employing a lobbyist to be a commentator and act as an anal- like an impartial analyst, knowing full well that this man was a lobbyist and he was basically bought and paid for by Norfolk Southern. Okay? So you have here CNN, um, political commentator David Urban, um, and you see hashtag CNN State of the Union. And the headline underneath Biden, and the quote, at this point I'm not planning to visit East Palestine, supposedly Biden. So what Mr. Urban is very cleverly doing is changing the subject from what went wrong to cause this environmental crime to the fact that hmm, Joe Biden, President Biden isn't going to visit East Palestine, but Donald Trump did. And to borrow a phrase from Shank Uger at the Young Turks, it's basically like telling your dog, if you want to distract your dog, you say, squirrel, and the dog looks the other way. That's what this guy's doing. So this was on CNN State of the Union, and the host was Dana Bash, who's supposed to be a legitimate journalist, right? Got a Sunday roundtable discussion. It's all about the East Palestine train derailment. And it's featuring, quote, CNN political commentator David Urban. And then Urban said, quote, there's plenty of blame to go around on this, end quote. Really? There's some. And then he went to the Biden administration. But the problem with this whole thing, as pointed out by Media Matters, is that CNN I'm just reading straight from this article right now. Quote, CNN never disclosed 
or asked Urban about his work for Norfolk Southern, which paid him and his then lobbying firm over a million dollars, end quote. Yeah. Dana Bash is such a good uh, journalist, isn't she? Not. I'm being obnoxious, I know. So this article from Media Matters goes into it further and explains how Urban was the president of a lot, the lobbying firm called the American Continental Group. And that was until 2020. And that is as documented by, I need my magnifier, I cannot see it, as documented by Politico, hardly a bastion of liberal thought. And when he was uh, part of that lot, he was president of the lobbying firm American Continental Group, as, as documented by Politico, At that point, he lobbied for Norfolk Southern on, quote, transportation issues related to railways, end quote. And that began in 2009, and that is according to federal lobby disclosure disclosure forms. Um, And according to these same federal federal lobby disclosure forms, uh, Urban and his firm collected, uh, according to ProPublica, at least $1,140,000, quote, according to a calculation of federal data by ProPublica, end quote. That's interesting. Media Matters piece goes on to say, quote, I'm just going to read straight from this right now, quote, the Republican commentator, meaning Urban, is now the managing director for BGR Group, a leading lobbying firm that presents countless conflicts of interest for his on-air work. In his most recent lobbying quarter, BGR has continued to lobby on transportation issues. Its website also states, quote, our clients in the aviation, automotive, rail, shipping, and mass transit industries rely on BGR to educate political leaders about how vital these industries are to domestic and international commerce, end quote. Okay. So, and this is as documented him as a managing director of BGR Group is documented by their own website, bgrdc.com. Okay. It's also documented by uh, BG, bgov.com. Okay. BGR continuing to lobby on these issues um, as documented by ida.senate.gov. Okay. Now, according to this, this same man, David Urban, also had a major role in um, Donald Trump's election, okay? And that's this documented by Ballotpedia.org. And keep in mind, it's according to this article, it was Trump who further weakened the safety regulations in the rail industry, according to MediaMatters.org. Okay. <clears throat> If you ever get a chance to look at MediaMatters.org, please do so. They, they're a wonderful resource. So it's ProPublica as well. Um, so Urban appeared on the February 26th edition of CNN State of the Union. Dana Bash was the host. And he's in this panel discussion about East Palestine. All CNN did to identify him on the screen was as a CNN political commentator and former Trump campaign advisor. They never once mentioned his clear conflict of interest. Not once. 
And then I took his word for it. A little cup of tea here. Hold on. So, the segment's going on. Dana Bash um, basically did say, did mention that the Trump administration rolled back um, some of the few regulations there were from the previous Obama administration. And here is Urban's response. Quote, there's plenty of blame to go around on this, on these kind, when these kind of things happen. But what's important is what we do moving forward, right? To take care of the people in these towns and communities, end quote. And then Urban went on, he criticized the Biden administration for, you know, sloughing off this crisis. Again, neither CNN nor Dana Bash, the host, the host, at no time did they ever disclose David Urban's conflict of interest, at, you know, his lobbying work, you know, on the fact that he lobbied for Norfolk Southern. At no point did he mention BGR's connections to the railroad industry, even though, you know, clear conflict of interest. Bash also failed to challenge him on the idea that, uh, you know, whether any of the blame should be pointed in Norfolk Southern's direction. Dana Bash also failed to question him about, you know, Urban about his own work for the company. Now, Media Matters goes on to say that Norfolk, and this I'm reading this line straight from the article, quote, Norfolk Southern specifically lobbied against safety regulations. And that's as documented by the Washington Post at abconourside.com. Nothing like, I mean, I hate to say fake news. It's a juvenile phrase. Um, you know, just to use the word fake like that, to me that that's a word used by a slow-witted eight-year-old child. But this is propaganda. Let's call it by its adult version, and Dana Bash knows better. Now, CNN keeps employing Urban, okay? And even though he has many ethical conflicts of interest, which is a nice way of saying, look, Urban is a hack. He works for corporate, for the very corporations that are responsible for this environmental crime and probably several others. Okay? And CNN never mentions it. And among Urban's issues, conflicts of interest, and there's several bullet points here, and I'm just going to read them out loud. Quote, there's many examples about Urban's as they put it, his, quote, dizzying array of ethical problems. And yet CNN keeps employing David Urban in spite of this. What did Urban do? Number one, Ur- quote, Urban urged a military strike against Iran without any disclosure that he worked for defense contractors. And that is as documented by MediaMatters.org. Keep in mind, who made money during the military strike against Iran or who would make money? military con- defense contractors pushing for that isn't based on military need or national security need this was about we want more money let's attack Iran okay goes on to say number two urban praise then defense secretary Mark Esper without the network disclosing that he personally lobbied the defense department on behalf of defense contractors again as documented by media matters.org 
Number three, Urban repeatedly attacked environmental protections without disclosing he lobbied for fossil fuel-related clients, including Norfolk Southern, which transports coal. And that is, again, as documented by MediaMatters.org. Number four, Urban repeatedly pushed for the passage of a trade agreement on air after he was hired to lobby for it. The network didn't disclose the conflict of interest. Again, documented by MediaMatters.org. And number five, Urban touted, I'm sorry, yeah, quote, Urban touted a lobbying client's opposition to a tax bill without any disclosure that they paid him. Again, documented by Media Matters. On this show, we give you the documentation. So shame on CNN. I'd say shame on David Urban, but he has no shame, okay? Put bluntly, David Urban is, in my opinion, the lobbyist, the lobbyist lobbyist, okay? He is a political whore. And he's going to give his favor, shall we say, to the highest bidder. You know, he has no conscience. None. But shame on CNN. You know, again, when you're looking at corporate media, they make money based on advertisers. But, you know, if they're not being paid by Norfolk Southern directly, they run these pieces and get benefit from it for not criticizing. Um, and shame on Dana Bash. You know, I, I know they'll say, well, if you tell the truth and do your job as a journalist, you're going to be demoted or fired. We know that. But what would happen if every journalist just refused to push this propaganda and did their job? You know, Chris Hedges was a foreign correspondent for the New York Times and I believe was Newsweek. Top of the game. Brilliant writer. When the Iraq war came about, he kept challenging it. He just did. Um, excuse me. He kept saying it was a pile of lies. And the New York Times told him, stop writing about this or leave. So he left. What a lot of people don't realize, especially if you're new to independent media, especially independent media on the left, there are a lot of Pulitzer Prize winners and other top-notch journalists on these small publications like Truthdig, like what well, Truthdig closed, unfortunately, Truth Out, you know, like, and I don't mean Huffington Post, okay, Huffington Post used to be good, it's kind of gone downhill, like ProPublica, like The Intercept, like Inside Climate News, like David Sirota's wonderful publication, The Lever, okay, like the publication I write for, BuzzFlash. Mark Carlin's the editor, does brilliant work. Um, like Op-Ed News, Rob Call's the editor, does brilliant work. And so on and so forth. Okay? So shame on CNN and shame on Dana Bash. So if you want to check that out yourself, again, it's Media Matters for America, um, written by Eric Hananaki, published February 27th, 23. Headline, CNN commentator lobbied for Norfolk Southern. The network didn't tell its audience during East Palestine discussion. Why does CNN continue to employ ethically challenged lobbyist David Urban? Keep in mind, CNN, and he's probably not the only one. Urban is probably not the only commentator that CNN 
employs and pays who has a clear conflict of interest. And we need to out them because they need to go. So that's number one. Let's go to number two. This ties into it. This is a piece by The Guardian, and it was written by Adam Lowenstein, and it was published February 27th of 23. Again, this is about East, East Palestine, but about the environmental crime that occurred. Excuse me. Ah. Need a little drink here. Sorry, it's giving me problems today. So this is a piece from The Guardian, and the headline is, and in quotes, Crafting an Illusion, U.S. Rail Firm's Multi-Million Dollar PR Push, PR meaning public relations. You know, why do we have to go to a British newspaper to get the truth? You know, but we do. So, you know, the subheadline is Norfolk Southern, the company behind the Ohio train crash, and other rail firms spent millions on marketing and lobbying. Okay. What a lot of people don't realize, and this is something that I found out, I believe it was in one of the older Project Censored books, which is another wonderful resource, is that a lot of things that you see on the news, and maybe you're watching the news, it, so a lot of times it wasn't actually written by the person reading the teleprompter. A lot of times it was pre-prepared by a public relations firm with its own spin. You have to really think about that. If it's corporate news, you have to be suspicious. I hate to say it. Okay? And keep in mind, too, with independent news, you know, on the right, you have Fox, which is pure propaganda and lies. You have OAN, the same thing, the blaze. All these things have benefactors, though, on the right that are paying the money, the big bucks. You know, the Daily Wire with David Shapiro, he's got a big benefactor, okay? A lot of these publications on the left, we don't have big benefactors. In fact, a lot of us do this at a loss. So we don't have a conflict of interest either. So let's move on with this piece, a piece by The Guardian. Again, Ohio train derailment crafting an illusion, U.S. rail firm's multi-million dollar PR or public relations push by Adam Lowenstein. So there's the first thing they talk about is this little commercial, okay? And it, it's actually a video, 2018 video. Now, this piece was written about a week ago, all right? But the author goes to this video that was produced in 2018, and it was created for Norfolk Southern. And it's a kid's conversation, and they call the video, get this, Everyday Superheroes. And I'm just going to read the description here, okay? Quote, six children, smiling and laughing, sit at a table with lunchboxes open in front of them. Hey, guys, my dad can stop a train with his finger, one brags. My mom can see into the future, another says, holding up her hands as binoculars. My mom... She speaks train, a third claims. Just then, her mom walks into the room. Another child asks if it's true that she can talk to trains. You betcha, she says with a wink, as she stands in front of a sky blue sign emblazoned with the logo of the Norfolk Southern Corporation. 
So this article goes on to say the kids' conversations takes place. I'm just reading straight from the article in Everyday Superheroes, a 2018 video created for Norfolk Southern. The 12.7 billion, with a B, operator of the train carrying toxic chemicals that derailed earlier this month in East Palestine, Ohio, causing an environmental disaster of still unknown proportions, end quote. And the fact that the disaster is of unknown proportions is as documented by The Guardian in another, um, excuse me, another article about the train derailment. And we've got the video here. You can watch it yourself. Um, here, let's see if it'll actually play. Hopefully you can hear it. Okay, I hope you heard that, okay? It was really schmaltzy. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And it just, you know, it was like, Norfolk Southern is the superhero, even though they are really the villain in this piece. Okay? And this video is part of an ad campaign that was, um, it has this cutesy title, quote, Reimagined Possible. Okay? And the Reimagine Possible Public Relations or PR campaign was produced by a public relations agency that's based in Maryland called R, R is in Ray, uh, RP3. And the campaign, as documented by the agency's own um, website, was designed to, quote, reach policymakers and opinion elites whose perceptions are vital to Norfolk Southern success. It goes on to say the people targeted by the campaign, quote, tend to support companies whose leadership helps spur innovation and growth. And it goes on to say the agency wrote um, that case study how the campaign was designed to, quote, convince people they're actually innovative, end quote. Okay. There are people that think the public relations uh, business is perfectly legitimate. I am not one of them. Okay, I realize that there is such a need for community relations, for instance, in an emergency to kind of calm people down and help them understand what's going on as long as you tell the truth. Notice what I said, at the proviso. As long as you tell the truth, that ain't happening here. Okay. Um, so there's even another video, and it was set to... If you're old enough to remember Schoolhouse Rock, you know, the tune Conjunction Junction, what's your function? They took that that tune and they changed the lyrics so it's Norfolk Southern, what's your function? Hooking up the country, helping businesses run trains. You know, and they call everything safely and on time. All right, so let's see if you can actually hear this because I can't sing. Hopefully you can. If you can't, once I play, if you can't hear it, I apologize.
hopefully you heard it. If you didn't hear it, if there was an audio problem, I apologize. But after listening to that, the only thing I have to say is, are you freaking kidding me? Jesus Christ. That is, that's beyond smarmy. It just is. Well, it was fun listening to the old, you know, the old uh, tune, conjunction, junction, what's your function? That PR company should hang, first of all, one, they're smart, me, in my opinion, and two, you can't come up with anything original, you got to steal from somebody else? I mean, this was, you know, this was the public relations equivalent, in my opinion, of putting a Band-Aid on a cancer and claiming you're cured. In fact, that cancer is going to make you healthier. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing right here. Don't be fooled by it. And if I sound a little animated today, because I, I heard that. I, I mean, I had to bite my tongue to keep from laughing out loud. It was so stupid. Seriously. I, I mean... Oh, good Lord. But this is really big business. That's what you have to realize. And all of this is about propaganda. You want to call it public relations? It's another PR. It's propaganda, and it's designed to distract you. So that not only do you not know what's going on, but you don't actually ask the hard questions and demand answers. You just don't. Okay? I mean... This is as this is as ludicrous as declaring that you know Marjorie Taylor Greene is a secret genius. It's that dumb. All right, but you have to realize this is big business. According to this piece, between 2015 and 2022, the trade organization that represents these large railroad industries. Uh, which is called the American, it's called the Association of American Railroads, or the AAR. They spent over 39.4 million lobbying the federal government. Now, this was based on data that was found and compiled by the nonprofit group called Open Secrets. The, and I'm just reading from this now. The AAR. Quote, the AAR and its dues-paying members, who include Norfolk Southern, Union Pacific, BNSF, and CSX, have also made millions of dollars worth of political contributions, end quote. Let's stop calling it political contributions, because we all know what it is. It's open bribery and open influence peddling. And it doesn't matter what some smarmy corporate lawyers tell the Supreme Court. The law, really, when you speak of law, and you're really speaking about justice, the justice system. Not just incarceration, but law as justice. It's not supposed to be just a grocery list of things you include. The law is supposed to be a statement of principle that can be applied across multiple settings to make sure that principle is properly enforced, equally enforced, and is fair. In other words, just is fair to all parties. And we ain't got that. Okay. So, um, so basically, you've got Norfolk Southern's reimagined possible campaign nonsense. Then you have the Associated American Railroad, the AAR. Um, they are basically spending boatloads of money to, you know, bribe politicians to give them what they want. 
Okay, I, I don't even have to be careful about that statement. It's just that obvious. It's that blatant. Um, and the AAR, according to this article, they promote tactics, they're more indirect tactics, quote, what the AAR calls, quote, balanced regulation. It's euphemism for eliminating mandatory government-enforced safety standards in favor of voluntary industry-led oversight. Now, think about this for a minute here. Think about this really hard. Those of you that are against regulation, that want to deregulate everything, as the Republicans claim they want to, they have done, and they want to do further. If you buy a car, let's say it's a used car. Maybe not. But let's say you buy a brand new car, and the safety features on that car are not mandatory. So theoretically, they could sell you a car that, you know, has unsafe brakes. And you have no right to challenge that. Is that what you want? Because that's what you've written a blank check to this industry for. Now, The Guardian conducted you know, the idea of voluntary industry-led oversight is so incredibly stupid, I can't believe it. Keep in mind, what what is a corporate entity's primary reason for being according to the law? It's to provide returns, in other words, provide investment returns to their investors. That's it. They have no other responsibility. So if you wait for them to voluntarily do what's right, we've seen this over and over again. Remember when the tobacco industry was basically they should voluntarily tell us that tobacco causes cancer? They had to be forced to do so. You know, otherwise, you know, you could just tell a thief, well, please, Mr. Thief, please don't rob that bank. But if you do, there's nothing we can do to stop you. It's that dumb. All right, so the Guardian did conduct an analysis, and they found that between 2015 and 2019, that's the Trump administration, and 2019 is the most recent year for which data was available, the AAR, quote, paid subject matter a Washington, D.C.-based PR and government affairs firm more than $23.3 million for, quote, paid media consulting and advertising, end quote, according to the AAR's annual filings with the Internal Revenue Service. That sum represents nearly as much as the group spent on lobbying during the same period, end quote. Now, this piece goes on to say, and I'm just going to read from it, quote, Subject matters work for the AAR included freight rail works, which the agency described as, quote, a comprehensive campaign to help ensure this critical industry remains top of mind for Washington, D.C. area policymakers and influencers. Transferring for tomorrow, another campaign produced by subject matter was designed to showcase the surprising technological advancements that power America's rail network and cover all major touch points for our D.C. Beltway audience. Neither subject matter nor RP3 responded to a request for comment. Okay, think about that for a minute. Just take a minute. These groups, these PR groups, are bragging about the technological advancements that power America's rail network. That's what subject matter's words. 
What technological advancements with braking systems that date back to 1868? We're using, they're using braking systems on these trains that were invented in 1868 and have not been improved upon since, even though we have electronic brakes available. These people are not only telling smarmy lies, they're telling incredibly stupid smarmy lies. Now, it goes further. The Guardian looked up the AAR's tax filing in 2019. And what they found was that the AAR Trade Association's, what they call their Integrated Communications Campaign, was designed in part to demonstrate, quote, how railroads use modern technology to improve safety and provide public benefits, end quote. Modern technology? with braking systems that were invented in 1868. They're not good braking systems either. Good Lord. It's beyond belief. All right, so the AER has pushed further. They've paid for dozens of sponsored art. According to this, I'm going to read straight from this because you – this is uh, as documented by the Washington Post, quote, as part of its communications push, the AAR has paid for dozens of sponsored articles in the Washington Post and Politico, two publications widely read by the policymakers and opinion elites who the group targets with its message of innovation and self-regulation. Now, think about that. <coughs> sponsored articles. Others are paid for by the AAR. The AAR is being paid for, that's being paid by the railroads. A sponsored article is not a journalistic article at all. It's a commercial. It's an ad. And the Washington Post and Politico just became journalistic horrors. That's simple. Right there. Good God. And it goes on, quote, under headlines such as no need to fix a freight whale's freight. Let me start again. I'm quoting again from the Guardian's article, quote, under headlines such as no need to fix a freight rail system that is thriving and how America's freight railroads became great again. The AAR touts its members impact on the U.S. economy and warns of the consequences of new regulations. Other stories, including how freight rail is putting the brakes on human error, argue that the industry is already making technology investments on its own with the implication and sometimes the explicit connection that new safety requirements are unnecessary or even detrimental to those efforts, end quote. That's like telling a kid, you know what, Junior, I trust that you'll go to school even though you hate it. We don't need a truancy officer. We don't need the teachers to take role. I trust you. It's crazy. And, and once again, this is filled with lies. Okay? I, I mean, again, what technology? You know, the te- some technology does exist. Electronic compression brakes do exist. The railroads have been fighting, being forced to actually put them on. They've only put them on a handful of trains. 
<coughs> and it goes on to say, according to the Guardian article, that the railroad industry has also spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is still a small amount for them, funding something called Go Rail, capital G-O, capital R-A-I-L. Now, that's a 501c4 organization, which means it's tax-exempt, and they advocate for the railroad industry, and this to lawmakers at all levels, both local, state, and federal. And according to IRS filings, again, that same time period between 2015 and 2019, this lobby group, the AAR, gave $2 million to GoRail, which is, according to this analysis, represents over a fifth of GoRail's total revenue for that period. Do you really think GoRail is going to fight, fight the hand that feeds it? I don't think so. Um, and GoRail, their operations are real. They really, it seems like it's inferred that they have incestuous relations with the railroads. Um, GoRail's board, I'm just going to read straight from this again. Quote, GoRail's board consists almost entirely of railroad executives and the president of the AAR. And the role of board chair rotates annually among executives from Norfolk Southern, BNSF, Union Pacific, and other firms. GoRail and the AAR, as well as RailPAC, the AAR's political action committee, all operate out of the same building in Washington, D.C. Neither GoRail nor the AAR responded to requests for comment. Do you see what's happening here? I mean, we can go on. But you, I think you get the gist, all right, that basically you're not I – hate to, I hate to credit Donald Trump for anything, but with corporate media, no, you're not getting the full truth. You know, if you want the truth, you need to go someplace like ProPublica, The Intercept, The Lever, um, Truth Out, BuzzFlash, Nation of Change, Op-Ed News, Project Censored, yay – I mean, these are the places where you're going to get the truth. The Guardian as well. So, you know, GoRail, they're trying to make it look like they're grassroots, but, you know, they're AstroTurf. They're not real grassroots. Um, so here's, you know, again, the AAR, according to this article, is openly a lobby group. GoRail's as I said just a minute ago, they pretend they're a grassroots organization, just little people, but they're not. They're AstroTurf. AstroTurf, for those of you who don't know, is the term for fake grassroots, to put it bluntly. And so, again, according to IRS filings um, and GoRail's annual reports, The Guardian found that there were quite a few letters that GoRail sent to Congress, social media impressions it generated, quote, and lawmaker advocate connections and educational meetings it organized. Okay. There's nothing educational about these educational meetings usually. It's a selling point. Uh, to read straight from this article again, quote, as a Norfolk Southern executive who chaired the GoRail board wrote in the organization's 2017 annual report, quote, via thousands of field meetings with key local influencers annually and a sophisticated media strategy, GoRail's team is able to build the relationships that matter and then utilize these connections to impact policy decisions when it counts, end quote. 
All right. So, what are the policy decisions that they're they're you know impacting? Well, according to the same article by the Guardian, one of the policy decisions that the industry is opposed to is a proposal from the Federal Railroad Administration, quote, to require most trains, particularly those carrying hazardous materials, to have at least two crew members on board. The train staffing rules supporters, including railroad workers and their union representatives, argue that having multiple workers on board makes trains safer to operate and leaves them more capable of responding to accidents when they occur, end quote. So, of course, the industry is against it. Uh, they're saying that it's unnecessary because they've invested in new technologies. Fine. What new technologies? They should be forced to tell us. Um, again, this article says, quote, during a December 14th FRA hearing about the rule, um, for instance, a representative for Norfolk Southern, this is like before the accident, told the FRA that the company opposed the train staffing requirement in part because it would prevent the company from, quote, redeploying conductors from trains to ground-based roles. Once again, technology has supplanted the conductor's traditional safety role, the representative said, end quote. Keep in mind, that December 14th meeting where they're opposing one extra person on the car happened literally two months before this derailment. Something to think about. So this goes on and on and on. You can actually read it yourself. But if you're wondering why you're not getting the news, well, this is why. Okay? So, you know, why why should we care? We should care because this is affecting all of us. All right. Uh, to give you an example, we have. Give me a second here. Um, I am going to go to my next source here. Okay. Uh, sorry about this, folks. This is also from The Guardian. Let me get it. I thought I had it on here. All right. Yeah. So one of the plans to get rid of the contaminated soil from the derailment is to incinerate it. Think about that for a second here. So it's incinerating is not going to get rid of the toxins. It's just going to spew it into the air that we all breathe. So the Guardian published this article, um, let's see now, just yesterday, Saturday, March 4th. Um, it was written by Tom Perkins from the Guardian. The headline is, plan to incinerate soil from Ohio train derailment is horrifying, says experts. Uh, the subheadline is soil is being sent to a nearby incinerator with a history of clean air violations, raising fears the chemicals will be redistributed. This is frightening. Okay, so the contaminated soil from the area in East Palestine, 
is being sent right now to an incinerator nearby. This company has a history of clean air violations. And the expert is Kyla, calling the, you know, calling the alarm, sounded the alarm, is Kyla Bennett, who is a former EPA official. And Kyla Bennett is now with the Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, which is a nonprofit. And she is one of several public health advocates who have basically protested Norfolk Southern as well as state and federal officials over this decision to incinerate this soil. Um, she calls the new plan horrifying. She goes on to say, quote, why on earth would you take this already dramatically overburdened community and ship this stuff a few miles away only to have it deposited right back where it came from? End quote. Because here's the deal. Incinerating the soil is risky. And it's risky because some of the contaminants, um, you know, that some of the contaminants that um, not only residents, but uh, they've checked with independent chemical experts they fear that's in the waste uh, include may include dioxins and PFAS, which are permanent uh, permanent chemicals. The problem is the EPA has not up till now tested for dioxins or PFAS. And dioxins and PFAS do not incinerate easily, and some of them can't be incinerated at all. So, and this is as documented by the Guardian as well. Um, you know, so once again, you see Michael Regan, who's the new head of the EPA for the Biden administration, saying, like Superman, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to take care of it. But it, they're not being honest. All right. This is like, you know, again, putting a Band-Aid on a cancer and calling it a cure. It's not. You know, again, you've got some independent chemical experts that have gone on record as saying, look, you don't know if there's dioxin there or PFAS. And if you incinerate this stuff, you're going to spread the dioxin into the air. Now, we have experience with dioxin here in Missouri. Dioxin is a known and toxic carcinogen. Just is. And, again, the EPA has not tested the the uh, area for dioxins or PFAS. And the question to me, for me, to Mr. Regan, is why not? Why aren't you testing for dioxin and PFAS? In fact, I'm going to add to that question. We're demanding that you test for dioxin and PFAS. And we're demanding that the tests be done independently, openly, and publicly, and the results openly and publicly disseminated. No secrecy. Now, you have to remember something. The train derailed because of what it was carrying. The emergency responders were fearing an even bigger explosion. So they did a controlled burn, which, frankly, I thought was stupid, but hey. According to this article, and I'm going to read straight from it right now, quote, environmental researchers say the combustion of vinyl chloride almost certainly created dioxins, a highly toxic chemical that can remain in the environment for years. However, the EPA has resisted calls to test for it, and the agency removed from its website the results of its in-depth soil analysis, so it's unclear which chemicals are in the soil. That's inexcusable. 
Okay, I wouldn't care if the head of the EPA were Moses himself. That's inexcusable right there. The combustion, this is according to environmental researchers, the combustion of vinyl chloride almost certainly created dioxins. And yet the EPA refuses to test for it. And then they remove from the website the results of in-depth soil analyses. Okay? Why the cover-up EPA Director Michael Regan? That's my question. You wanted the job, now do the damn job. No more cover-up. This goes on to say chemicals, quote, chemicals like dioxins must be incinerated at extremely high temperatures, and the combustion of some substances can be difficult or unpredictable during incineration. And this is according to Kirsten Press, an environmental health professor at a little place called the John Hopkins University, who focuses on risk science. Those issues are generating uncertainty about the plan's safety. And according to this professor, Karsten Prass, an environmental health professor at the Johns Hopkins University, one of the best universities out there, quote, my concern is basically do we just translate the issue that's right now in the soil into another medium by blowing it into the air? That is not necessarily the case, but I'm not sure that we can exclude this at this point, so it is an issue, end quote. And the professor's saying, right, we don't know if, if that's the case. But there's more suspicion now because the EPA, one, refuses to test for dioxins, and two, they took down information about the in-depth soil analysis. They removed it from, from their website, which says cover-up. Okay. So anyway, um, this goes on to say, according to the Guardian, Tom Perkins, that the ground probably also contains the ground surrounding the derailment that is probably contains PFAS, which is known as the forever chemicals. And unfortunately, quote, because they do not naturally break down and no human made method to destroy the compounds have been fully developed. All right. So incinerating them would just spread the effect of these forever chemicals. Um, the EPA, according to their own website, has written the following about PFAS. Quote, the effectiveness of incarceration to destroy PFAS compounds and the tendency for formation of fluorinated or mixed halogenated organic byproducts is not well understood. So they don't know what it's going to do, but they're going to incinerate it anyway. That's crazy. And this goes on to say, give me a second here. I lost my place. I am so sorry. Kyla Bennett um, from the environmental um, non-for-profit went on to say that um, I lost my, I'm sorry, folks. So Bennett point out the fact that, you know, you're still putting residents' health at risk because you're potentially sending PFAS contaminated soil into the incinerator and then it, the PFAS would go into the air. According to Bennett, quote, the most important thing in my mind is the human health and health of the environment. So right now that should be, a pri that should be priority number one and things like this fly in the face of basic human decency and science, end quote. Now the incinerator in question, according to this article, is owned by a company called Heritage Thermal Services. And they are already burning PFAS waste from the Department of Defense. Why? 
And apparently because they are incinerating PFAS waste from DOD, there's a federal lawsuit that was brought by a, a, a coalition of local environmental groups. Heritage is also facing an investigation and enforcement action from the EPA, or they faced it in 2015, quote, after officials determined the facility had violated, okay, I'm going to read this sentence directly, quote, Heritage also faced an investigation and enforcement action from the EPA in 2015 after officials determined the facility had violated the Clean Air Act nearly 200 times between 2010 and 2014. Okay? And according to the EPA, this heritage company, I'm going to read again straight from this, quote, among the chemicals that had been released at dangerous levels was dioxin. And among the issues cited by the EPA were a failure by heritage to maintain a required minimum temperature, raising questions about whether the, faci- the facility can handle more dioxin, more dioxin and PFAS waste. The facility is also recorded Air, the, I'm sorry, the facility has also recorded air quality violations in eight of the last 12 quarters, EPA records show. So why is EPA letting this same company incinerate waste from East Palestine, not knowing what's in it? Why is EPA refusing to test for dioxin and PFAS? And why did EPA scrub from their website any in-depth analysis of the soil at the East Palestine derailment area. All this spells cover-up. Okay? Just does. And local environmental groups have said this company is a repeat offender. Okay? Uh, And apparently they've been fighting heritage uh, since the incinerator was built in the 1990s, and that's according to the director of River Valley Organizing, a woman named Amanda Kiger. Um, according to Kiger, quote, environmental officials, I'm sorry, environmental officials are just dumping more shit on Columbian, Columbiana County. Uh, they say we already poisoned them, so it doesn't matter if we poison them more, end quote. Okay. So, you know, again, what the hell's going on? All right, this is something that we must deal with. It's inexcusable. So we covered this pretty much. There's more, but we'll get to it at another time. I hope that you learned something from it. Now, we're going to talk about the subject of woke. Okay, good. Take a little drink here again. Excuse me. Keep my throat wet. You know, that big ass in Florida, DeSantis, has said, Florida is a place where woke goes to die. Well, I would maintain that Florida is a place where the First Amendment goes to die. All right? I'm also aware of the fact that in Florida, DeSantis is trying to push a law that would make it easier to sue any small news organization if they just dare disagree with him or policymakers, you know, there in Florida. Well, I know that CNN started out in Florida, you know, with Rick Spizak and Brooke Hines, 
Um, Brooke still lives in Florida, but she's no longer, you know, she decided to retire from PNN. She's doing her own thing. Um, Rick helps out periodically. He's the founder, and we love him, and he moved, you know, to the East Coast. And so now it's safe to say that, you know, PNN and EJR are based here in St. Louis, Missouri. So, Governor DeSantis, take a, I'd like to take a flying dump on this stupid law. What is woke? You know what? People that don't, that object to woke are people who either lack empathy, lack compassion, lack decency, unless they are giving compassion, empathy, and decency, extending it only to the people they approve of. The people that object to woke, maybe I heard somebody joke on Facebook that, you know, people that use the word woke, they they object to it because they can't spell empathetic. I don't know. What I do know is that what we're really talking about is how the Republican Party has not only openly embraced neo-Confederates, neo-Nazis, and assorted bigots, but what they've done is that they have, you know, solidified it. They've embraced, they've embraced it. Um, they have deified bigotry so that now people on the right think it's perfectly acceptable to brag about being a white Christian nationalist. You know, last week, the Goyam Defense League had a day of hate. Well, you know what? I welcome their hate. Because, like, that one sheriff in Florida, bring it on. Okay? Because I can spell AR-15 as well. You know, this is about a pile of bullies, and they know the Democratic Party won't fight back. They're like the cowards of Vichy. Every minority group whether you're a person of color, a religious minority, a member of the LGBTQ community, and if I apologize, I I apologize, I missed something. Uh, If you are a feminist, if you are uh, an intellectual, an artist, whatever, all of us have to accept the fact that this is a war on anybody who isn't white enough and Christian enough and straight enough, and if you're female, subservient enough. Make no mistake about it. And the only thing these knotheads will understand is if they dare to try and steal our rights, we will fight. We won't won't fire the first shot. But we will defend ourselves. That's it. And Ron DeSantis, as far as I'm concerned, in some ways is more dangerous than Trump. Because Ron DeSantis is, in my opinion, every bit as much a neo-Nazi as Trump, only he's smarter, which makes him more dangerous. You know, he is a neo-Confederate, just like Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, it's so easy to call her the jackass of the week, but she, you know, she gets it so often. She brags about how she wants a national divorce. But once again, you know, we don't want. She says they don't want a civil war; they just want a national divorce. Well, you know, what do you think national divorce means? She's preaching for secession from the union. Period. We fought a civil war over that. 
pushing for succession from the union, yes, it does constitute treason. Yes, it does constitute the fact that she violated her oath of office, in which case she should be removed, removed from office and by law not allowed to ever hold office ever again because she doesn't believe in the United States at all. And she probably should face criminal prosecution. Period. She's preaching succession from the union. That's treason. That's it. It's not rocket science. And here that idiot is on the the um was the National Security Committee? Homeland Security. All right. My oh my. Wouldn't our enemies just be thrilled? If we had states succeeding, if we had a bunch of little nations instead of the United States, talk about a major danger. Talk about damaging our national security. That would do it. And what do her Republican colleagues do? Nothing. Kevin McCarthy wanted that job. Now he should bloody well do it. You know, I called my new U.S. senator, and I apologize for both my senators in advance. Because here in Missouri, I'm stuck with Josh Hawley and the new one, Eric Schmidt, who I call Senator Shit. It's appropriate. And I called both their offices, and I said, Marjorie Taylor Greene, their GOP colleague, is proposing a national divorce. She is basically demanding succession from the union. Are they for succession from the union? Yes or no? And their aide said, well, we haven't talked to the senator. We don't know. There's nothing to know. Yes or no? It's really that simple. So, once again, you know, the GOP has turned into an open lynch mob, put bluntly. That's it. Nothing more. It's an open lynch mob for racists, neo-Nazis, neo-Confederates. You can go down the line. There's nothing new here. And Ron DeSantis is as bad as all of them. And we will do a show on DeSantis, just not today. So, again, woke. I embrace woke. I'm not a monster. I embrace woke. I embrace the fact that we are all human beings. And I embrace the idea of equal rights under the law. And the law should reflect justice. Fairness, equity. It's that simple. And those that joke about rejecting woke, well, you know what? They can, if, if, and if some of them are people I know, they can forget they ever knew me because I'm done with them. There is a line you don't cross with me, and it's the bigotry issue. A little personal, but it's true. <laughs> All right. So now we're getting ready. For our fav- my favorite little segment, the Jackass of the Week Awards. Okay. All right. Give me a second here. I really should download the Jackass sound. I'm just, I'm not technically adept. I'm really not. I apologize. Okay. Here we go. Wait. Wait for it. Wait for it. Come on. Welcome to the EJR Jackass of the Week Awards. 
Rayon, all right. This week, the jackass of the week is a Jenny, a female jackass. And it goes to somebody, it's hard to believe this woman was once a teacher. She was an ex-teacher. She is now a Missouri State representative. Her name is Ann Kelly. Now, here in my home state of Missouri, we have a, some notoriety. Apparently, Missouri leads, so according to the Kansas City Star, Missouri leads the way in anti-LGBTQ legislation in the entire United States. Who knew the Republican Party in Missouri is actually more bigoted than the Republican Party in Mississippi, Texas, Florida, Alabama? You can go down the line, but they are. You know, this is the Bible Belt, right? So anyway, uh, Representative Ann Kelly has her own version of the Don't Say Gay Bill. But this one goes further. It would forbid mention of the of any mention of the um, LGBTQ plus community at any grade level. <clears throat> to quote from the legislation, and this is a, as gathered by the Kansas City Star, quote, no classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties relating to sexual orientation or gender identity shall occur, end quote. Now, Ann Kelly was a uh, I think a middle school teacher. And this woman is so ignorant, it's beyond the pale. Apparently, if you are a teacher and you are a member of the LGBTQ community, or maybe you're a student with, you know, two moms, according to this bill, you can't mention it. They are using the kids as a face a cowardly shield to cover up for their bigotry. That's all it is. You know, I've never understood how does somebody else being gay or trans or whatever, how do they in how do they threaten anyone else? I'd like to know. Because I don't get it. I don't get it at all, but this is what it is. And there was a Republican let me see if I can get this. A Republican lawmaker who challenged her on it, and let me let me look that up right now. Again, can't. Yeah, Ann Kelly, um, and she's from a little country. I'm um, not country. A little town called Lamar, Missouri. Okay, so I'm looking for this. Uh, give me a second. Sorry about this, folks. This, uh, okay, I'm looking for it. So this is for all grades, all right? And I've got WRAL News, and according to this, uh, let's see. Ann Kelly said, quote, exposure to such topics is inappropriate for children, creating confusion, which may then cause doubt in their identities. And she also said that, quote, apparently school, quote, is not the, quote, it is not the place of the school to indoctrinate our children by exposing them to gender and sexual identity curriculums and courses, end quote. Okay, so apparently she thinks that being gay or trans is catching like the, like the flu, that if you're exposed to it, you may turn gay. That's almost as stupid as say, saying that, you know, well, there's chemicals in the water that are making the men turn gay. It's not that at all. 
But she was challenged by another representative, Ian Mackey, who was also a former teacher, who was openly gay. And, she, and Ian Mackey, Representative Ian Mackey, asked Representative Kelly, quote, is his, be, quote, being gay in the classroom um, and not hiding, you know, the fact that he's gay would be limited under the bill. And Kelly asked, quote, did you ever inform your students on your beliefs? And Mackey said, quote, they did know I was gay. They would see my wedding ring and they would ask about it and I would say I have a husband, end quote. This isn't about protecting children. This is about basically abusing members of the LGBTQ community. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. So, you know, once again, she embarrassed herself. Um, you know, and, and it's it's really kind of ridiculous. You know, so, you know, once again, I called her office and, you know, they didn't answer, obviously. I left a message. Um, she's not going to say anything. So for that and so many other reasons, just the fact that Representative Ann Kelly seems so incredibly ignorant. Representative Ann Kelly of Lamar, Missouri has been awarded the infamous Jackass of the Week Award. Play on, Ann! Play on! She never sounded more intelligent. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's our show for today. I hope you learned something from it. I hope you continue to look into it. We will continue to cover um, the East Palestine situation through EJR. You know, keep in mind, this show is a double show. We have EJR, the Environmental Justice Report, and we also have Progressive News Network. We're going to continue pushing this. And, you know... <laughs> This is about telling the truth, documenting the truth, and being a decent human being, all right? It's it's really that simple. And not falling for the propaganda that's out there. All right? There's just, it, it's horrible, but it's real. And, you know, we're going to keep speaking truth to power. We're going to keep mocking those that empower that are incredibly, just not only ignorant, but incredibly stupid and dangerous, like Marjorie K. Taylor Greene. We're going to keep pushing to out the neo-Confederates and neo-Nazis in government and, you know, kick them out. It's really that simple. So, again, I hope you learned something. And uh, tune in again next week. And with that, I say good night and God bless us because we're going to need it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.